Welcome back, everybody. It's the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Martinez. October 11, 2018, that is the date today. We got a packed show today. I mean, we got we got stuff from every single sport. We got college football games, some great NFL games this week. Uh, MLB postseason has been fantastic. It's only going to get better. We have the championship series starting uh, tomorrow and Saturday, and we have NBA drama already. The season hasn't even started and it's been, I mean, it's been must-watch TV. It's been so much fun. I can't even wait for the season to start. And then we have a great quote of the week this week. We have an actual quote. It's not a word of the week. I actually have a series of words that when put together make sense, also known as a sentence. I have an actual quote this week, so uh, can't wait for that. The end of the show. But with that, we got to go quick today. we got to run some uh, Showtime fast breaks because there's so much stuff to cover. I don't know if we're going to be able to make it through the whole hour getting uh covering everything. I'm looking here at my notes. We got we got stuff for everything. We got we got so much stuff to cover. So with that, let's go ahead and get right into it. We're not going to look at my picks from last week because they weren't uh they weren't great. I was batting like 200 last week. So let's just go ahead. We're going to look forward. We're always moving forward on this show um except except when we're not and we're looking backward at when I do have good picks. That's the only time we look backward. But um uh, my picks were terrible last week, so we're moving forward this week. That's all. That's the name of the game. Uh, first game in college football. This is a really good game in college football this week. I really excited. I don't know how I'm going to be able to watch everything that's going on this weekend and into the week. Well, specifically this weekend because you have college football, then you have NFL football, and then you have uh, baseball postseason. As I said a little bit uh, earlier. Um, there's just so much stuff going on. I don't know how I'm going to be able to watch all of this, uh, everything at one time. Uh, well, that first game, first game we're covering uh, in college football, that'll be number two Georgia at number 13 LSU. Um, and LSU has done it again. They finally did it to me. I, the, it's the first time I picked them to win uh, since week one of this season when I picked them to uh, beat Miami, as I constantly remind you every single week. Uh, I picked them to beat Miami. They did. And every week since then, I've picked them to lose um, just on a week-to-week basis. I didn't expect them to go 1-5 and five or whatever. Just on a week-to-week basis, I said, they're not going to win this game. They're not going to win this game. And they repeatedly won. I picked Auburn I picked Auburn to beat LSU, and they won that game. Um, so I finally came around uh, last week, and I said, okay, I'm going to give them one more win because this is when they really start. They're kind of a gauntlet of a schedule. They get Georgia this week and then uh, Alabama a little bit later on. Uh, they're not going to beat both of those guys. They're not going to beat either of those guys. So I picked them to win last week. I said, they'll get one more, and then they'll start falling apart, and they'll play in the Outback Bowl. Um, and they they lost last week. I picked them to win. I finally came around. I said, here you go. I've given you a crowd noise certified win, and they lost. Coach O, every time you expect him to win a game, he finds a way to lose it, and he did it last week. Um, I picked them to win, and they embarrassed me. So, uh, yeah, they embarrassed me last week on my own show. I finally picked them to win. I finally came around, and they did. I broke my own rule. You never invest in, in Coach O because he always loses the games he's supposed to win. And he finds a way to win the games he's supposed to lose. So I'm all in on Georgia this week. Uh, it's going to be an ugly game. It's not going to be a dominant um, Georgia win, a blowout win. They're starting five freshmen this week, and they're playing in Death Valley. So that could be uh, that could be pretty dangerous for Georgia uh, in that uh, atmosphere when you're starting to five freshmen. It could be uh, it can get pretty hairy for those guys. But I I expect Georgia to win. They're the number two team in the country right now. Um, they're favored to win, and they should be. LSU's coming off of a loss, and they're playing at home, which could be uh, dangerous for Georgia. I think it's going to be a really ugly game. Uh, lots of turnovers. Um, just a, a typical SEC defensive battle but i'm going to take georgia to win this game a close one uh closer than the experts think uh, i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna take georgia it's not going to be um a real a finesse game a really clean game it's going to be lots of uh, lots of turnovers lots of penalties in that game but georgia should take care of business and if they don't then then i hate lsu because lsu will do two weeks in a row i i pick uh, they do the opposite of what I picked them to do, and I can't stand those teams. And if they win, if LSU wins this week, I'm never picking them on the show ever again. They will never be a part of any of my picks because I'm not investing in any other games. So, uh, if you're an LSU fan, 
you need to hope for them to lose because you're never going to hear about them on this show ever again if they win. Next game, uh, the Pac-12, uh, Washington at Oregon. Now, this one's going to be a pretty exciting game. Not too many people are talking about this game, but I think it's going to be, I think this is going to be the most exciting game of the weekend. Lots of scoring, lots of offense. Uh, typical Pac-12 game. It's going to be in Eugene and Outson Stadium. So those games are always fun, always loud. Um, last week, Washington played UCLA, uh, and they had trouble separating themselves from UCLA, who is uh, the worst team in the Power Five right now. They haven't won a game. Uh, looking at their schedule, they, they're probably not going to win a game all season long. And uh, Washington had a little bit of trouble. They won. I mean, it, it wasn't like a field goal game or a touchdown game. They won by uh, two possessions. But it wasn't a dominant win uh, against UCLA, who's not good at all. And uh, Oregon is coming off of a bye. So they've had two weeks to prepare for Washington. And it's going to be at home. Um, in rivalry games, the home field advantage, it matters. It's, it plays a big part in rivalry games. You get that student section going. Uh, it's a sellout crowd. I think Oregon has like one of the longest... Uh, sellout streaks in the country and obviously Outson Stadium is one of the loudest stadiums period in the country so it's not going to be a friendly environment for uh, uh, the Huskies I'm going to take uh, oh and Justin Herbert um, people forget everyone has really short memories everyone's written off the Ducks they could come back and win the Pac-12 um, excuse me they they gave that game away uh, to Stanford. Stanford should not have won that game against Oregon. Stanford should have two losses instead of one. Uh, you had the touchdown that was called back that turned into a Stanford touchdown. And then you have uh, Mario Cristobal, who's, um, or Marty Cristobal, whatever you want to call him, uh, refusing to kneel and giving Stanford the ball back with um, uh, two minutes, I believe, or a minute instead of 17 seconds. Uh, and Stanford was able to force overtime and win in overtime. And uh, Justin Herbert, it's not like they played bad. They just had a lot, of, a lot of things went wrong for the Ducks in that game. I mean, everything that could have gone wrong for the Ducks did go wrong. And they played really well um, at the same time. So it was, it was kind of a weird game for uh, Oregon. And Justin Herbert, he, he was lights out that game. I mean, in the big, on the biggest stage on national TV against, uh, you know, top 15 team in the country at that point uh, in time, he was lights out. Justin Herbert did not disappoint in that game. Uh, he's not going to disappoint in this game either. I'm going to take the Ducks at home uh, against the Washington Huskies. Home field advantage is a big, um, it's a big factor in rivalry games like that. So I'm going to take the Ducks. Uh, last game, this game's uh, college game day is going to be here. Uh, number 15, Wisconsin at number 12, Michigan in the big house. Now that sounds like a huge advantage for um, Michigan. Excuse me. I know I just said home field advantages are is a big advantage but those are in rivalry games this isn't a traditional rival they're conference rivals but it's not michigan state it's not ohio state um, for michigan uh it's wisconsin and uh wisconsin hasn't been as dominant this year as they were last year last year they were just i mean suffocating teams they were the prototypical big 10 team i mean, just strong offensive line just uh ground and pound you know strong diva wisconsin was really good last year um uh, they're not as strong as they were last year, but they're still pretty good. I mean, they're top 15 in the nation. Uh, they bring back Jonathan Taylor, obviously. Now, that's going to be an interesting matchup because Jonathan Taylor is going up against uh, the number one rushing defense in the nation. Uh, Michigan hasn't done a lot uh, right this year. The one thing they have done is defend the run. So that's uh, Wisconsin's bread and, bread and butter is uh, running the football. They're not going to be able to do... Uh, that as well as they normally would be able to. Um, but all the pressure in this game is on Michigan. The pressure's on Jim Harbaugh. He's fighting for his uh, his coach, his job. Uh, all the pressure is on Michigan, the whole team, to stay alive in the Big Ten and stay alive in the playoff rankings. Uh, Two-loss team has never made the college football playoff. Um, and certainly Michigan would not make the playoff as a two-loss team you have to be undoubtedly better than everyone else and to have two losses and still get in the playoff so if they lose this weekend their playoff chances are done there's absolutely no way they come back from that even though they lost to uh, Notre Dame in uh, Ann Arbor which is a excuse me South Bend they lost to North da Notre Dame uh, in South Bend uh, that's a pretty good loss I guess you can say but uh, I, there's no way they'll get into the playoff with two losses and all the pressures on Shea Patterson, the Michigan quarterback. He's a, 
he's been somewhat of a disappointment. He hasn't lived up to the preseason hype that um, was uh, spread around him. Uh, maybe it's not all his fault. Um, there was a high. They, people assume once you put in Shea Patterson in there, once you give Jim Harbaugh a real quarterback, they should be unstoppable. Um, those ex- expectations were pretty unfair uh, to put on Shea Patterson in his first season in Michigan. Uh, but that's what he had to deal with, and he hasn't really delivered on those uh, expectations. So he's going to really have to uh, outduel uh, Alex Hornibrook because it's going to be a passing game. Uh, like I said, Wisconsin's not going to be able to run the ball up and down the field like they normally would like to. They're going to have to throw the ball. So Shea Patterson's going to have to uh, he's going to have to outthrow Alex Hornibrook, who is Wisconsin's quarterback. Uh, just way too much pressure in Michigan at home. I think Wisconsin wins, and I think they pull away. I don't think they dominate the whole game, but they're going to pull away late in the fourth quarter, and the score is going to look a little bit, a uh, little bit uglier than what the game itself uh, has uh, shown. The score is not going to reflect the true uh, identity of the game. Nonetheless, I'm taking the Badgers on Wisconsin. With that, uh, those are all of our college games this week. Uh, well, there are more, but those are. Our three college games. I only pick. I only pick the good stuff. Nothing but the classics. Uh, I don't do those uh, ranked versus unranked teams. Uh, I don't do those games. I only do the cool stuff. So in the NFL, uh, we're moving on this week where no one is ranked in the NFL. There aren't any rankings. That'd be cool. I would like to see uh, in professional sports more rankings. We're so we're slaves to the rankings. The power rank. Oh, the power rankings. Who's number one? The, the power rankings aren't even the thing. They're I mean, they're opinions. It's not who has the best record. It's not who's got the best. It's just opinions. There's sports writers who appears to be the best team. That's that's what the power rankings are. Um, I think people would pay a little bit more attention to the power rankings if you actually use them uh, in the NFL and the NBA. Maybe not so much in baseball because there's so many different teams. Uh, well, there's the same, actually, that's a lie. There's the same number of teams in baseball as there is in basketball, so that's a lie. And there's more teams in the NFL than there are in the MLB, so that was... Uh, that was wrong, but I think they should. I think it would definitely be more interesting if you could see number one uh, L.A. against number two Kansas City. It's just, the rankings just makes it so much more interesting. That'd be, uh, I don't know, make it interesting to me. So uh, going off of that tangent, tonight's game, uh, Thursday night football. We do it every single week, even though they're not really good games. Uh, we do Thursday night games, Eagles and Giants in New York. Now this game. Again, we like I said, I just forced myself to do Thursday night games. They're not really that interesting, uh, but I do them anyway because they're on the same day as my show. So uh, that's why we do them. And this game is not very exciting. Let me tell you. Let me tell you that much because the NFC East has been the worst division in football. Period. They're the new AFC South, and I say that because in the AFC South, you had all four teams that could have won it last year. The Colts could have won it even without Andrew Luck. They were still in the mix for a while. Uh, the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Titans. All, all those teams could have won the division. They could still win it this year. Um, but not because it's so competitive and all the teams are so great that they're competing. It's because all the teams are so horrible that they're losing games left and right. Everyone still is alive in that division. The Cowboys are still alive. The Redskins are in first place. Um, they're terrible. <laughs> they're in first place. The Eagles are, I mean, everyone in that, that division is up for grabs. So that's why I call it the new AFC South because every team in there is just, I mean, boring, disappointing, flat. I mean, and they're all, they could all win it and make, get into the playoffs. So this game uh, matters. This game is going to be a really big game for those two teams because they're going to be playing for the division. Uh, it's going to be in MetLife. That's in New York. Now, I think that's a huge advantage for a reason you would not normally think you you would not normally think of. Um, all the baseball fans are going to be piled up into MetLife Stadium. Uh, the Yankees are, they got smacked out of the playoffs by the Sox, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. But that's all there is, that's all there's going on in New York right now. There's no Chris Dapsport Zingas, uh, maybe for the season. Um, and basketball starts up next week. And the Yankees are out. Uh, hockey's about to get started. Uh, I don't know too much. We don't really talk about hockey in this show. But um, the Rangers and the Islanders, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if people in New York really care about hockey. So the Giants are, they're the ticket right now. They're number one. So everyone's going to be in that uh, MetLife Stadium. They're going to be angry because their they're Yankees just got smacked out of the playoffs, as I just said. Uh, yeah, and they're going to be going up against the Eagles. Eagles are going to have to deal with all that crowd noise. Uh, shout out me. Uh, 
Last week, the Eagles played the, the Vikings, and they were embarrassed at home. I watched that game. It was one of the few games on TV. Uh, I don't have the ticket. I'm not sponsored yet, so I can't afford the Sunday ticket. So if, uh, if any of you guys know any mattress companies out there, uh, uh, I'm your guy. But the Eagles got embarrassed last week at home by the Vikings. It was a really, really slot. The Eagles should have won that game. They played awful, and they still had a chance to win the game. It was just a really sloppy game by uh, the players and the coaches. I don't really like blaming uh, coaches because it's a double-edged sword. Um, you have if the team loses, it's the coach. The coach needs to be fired, and if the team wins, plays real well, it's well the players. Um, the players did well. So, but it was the first time in Doug Peterson's career, I think, that he looked absolutely lost. I mean, he looked lost and confused out there, and so did the team. There was penalties left and right on Philadelphia. They had opportunities to tie the game and take the lead. They didn't. Uh, they played really bad, and uh, you mix that with playing in um, playing in MetLife Stadium. As I said, it's going to be really loud in there. Uh, I'm actually going to take the Giants to win. It, what's going to be another confusing NFC East uh, outcome? The Eagles should win this game. If you on paper, they're the better team than the reigning Super Bowl champions. They're a better team, top to bottom, and I'm picking the Giants to win in an upset. Um, they should. The Eagles should win. They won't. I'm going to take the Giants in this one. Uh, going to Sunday's games, uh, every single week, this is the Chiefs and the Patriots. Every single week, I pick a Chiefs game and a Patriots game. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why I do that. Every, it seems like every single week, I'm talking about the Chiefs and I'm talking about the Patriots. This week, they play each other. So I get to save, uh, I get to talk about them both at one time and get to pick an extra game, so to speak, because I'm not going to have to talk about both of them. I get to talk about them together as, as one unit. So uh, there's that. Uh, the Chiefs are just, they're interesting. They're exciting. They're the most fun team in the NFL to watch. The Rams are the best team, and they're still fun to watch also. But they're the best team by far. But the Chiefs are the most fun to watch. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, the home run ball. I mean, they're just so much fun to watch. And then the Patriots, I mean, they're the Patriots. They've turned into kind of a um, dramatic team, uh, really unpatriot, uh, unpatriot-like uh, they've been these past few years they've been really dramatic which is uh, interesting to talk about you know they're an, they're also an interesting team maybe not so much of uh because of the football i mean they're still good but more so because of what's going on off the field so these are really two exciting teams that i i talk about every this is why i talk about them every single week but this week we're talking only football what's going to happen on the football field between the chiefs and the patriots um bill belichick has made a career He's made a career off of feasting off of young quarterbacks. I mean, he just he eats them alive. He just destroys young quarterbacks uh, every single week. He did it to Deshaun Watson this year. I mean, if you need any, if you're part of the recency bias, just look at what he did to the Texans. I mean, even the Texans haven't been that good this year. Uh, I'll give you that much. But he shut them down. Deshaun Watson just could do nothing in that game. Uh, but this time, and he also. He's also made a career off of beating Andy Reid. He's outcoached Andy Reid throughout their both careers. Every time they've met, Bill Belichick has been head and shoulders. He's been in another class. I mean, Andy Reid hasn't been able to touch Bill Belichick when they've when they've squared off. But this time, I think Andy Reid has a little bit too much up his sleeve. He's got way too many weapons. And uh, going back to Bill Belichick uh, feasting on young quarterbacks, part of that is giving them confusing coverages and disguising blitzes. But by doing that, you have to have a pass rush. The Patriots have zero pass rush whatsoever. Excuse me. They have no they have no pass rush. So if you give Patrick Mahomes plenty of time to survey the field and assess his options, he's gonna find some he's gonna find somewhere to put the football. I mean, he's really he's that good. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they might be that good to finally dethrone the Patriots. Not permanently. I'm just talking about this week. I I'm picking the Chiefs to win. Uh obviously it's gonna be a shootout. Both of those teams' defenses are uh, not up to par. Uh, the Chiefs defense really played well last week, though, against Jacksonville. Um, they were uh, pretty impressive. But uh, when you're going up against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, uh, that's a different challenge altogether. Uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs 45-37. to Lots of scoring in this game. Uh, that game's going to be in Foxborough. And the last game this week is... Uh, I don't even know why I'm doing it. It's undoubtedly the most boring game it's probably going to be the most boring game in NFL history. I'm calling it now. Jaguars-Cowboys. This game is going to be unwatchable. I mean, horrible. So why are we talking about it? Let's move on. Let's go to baseball. 
The reason it's on the show this week because it's going to be competitive. The Jaguars and the Cowboys, just because it's not fun to watch doesn't mean it's not a competitive game. Um, it can be a defensive battle, uh, and you can get those. Uh, those oh, I'm sure the old heads will love watching this game because it's going to be um, typical 1940s NFL football. Uh, lots of uh, three-point stances and eye formations in this game. No read options here. Um, these two teams are mirror images of each other. That's why That's why I'm picking this game because despite the fact that it's unwatchable and it's really boring and the ball's not going to move anywhere, these are two... This is the same team playing each other. A really strong defense against a power run offense. It's the same team. The Jaguars and the Cowboys are the same exact team. Um, they're, the, they're the same. The only reason that the Jaguars seem like they're a lot better is because they have more stars. Okay, They have Jalen Ramsey. They have A.J. Bouye. They have Leonard Fournette. Um, Blake Bortles has become somewhat of a celebrity in the NFL, um, kind of sarcastically because he's, he's awful. He's Blake Bortles. You know how we feel about Blake Bortles on the show. He's terrible, but they have more stars than the Cowboys. Ironically, the Cowboys have Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, uh, exactly, they have no one. There's no other celeb. If you're a Cowboy fan, you know every single person on the team. But other than that, there's no celebrities. Oh, Dak Prescott, I guess, but is he? How much better is Dak Prescott than Blake Bortles right now? Think about that. He's not that much better than Blake Bortles. He doesn't turn the ball over nearly as much. Uh, well, he did against the Texans. Uh, two of those were drops, though. So maybe not his fault. We're not going to get into that. I don't need to talk about the Cowboys' awful receiving core. But they're the exact, they're mirror images of each other. They're the same team. And the Jaguars have a little bit more star power than the Cowboys, which is why I'm going to take the Jaguars in a slight, slight edge. Um, it's going to be a pure field goal game. There's not going to be a single touchdown in this game. 12-6 to six Jaguars. Um, I'd probably pick the Jaguars to win. Well, I was picking the Jaguars to win anyway. I might have picked them to win by a little bit more um, had Leonard Fournette been playing, but he's already been ruled out. Um, They signed, uh, who the heck did they sign? Jamal Charles. Uh, He's like 48 years old. They signed Jamal Charles, which tells me they they listed Leonard Fournette out quick. I mean, as soon as their game on Sunday ended, they said he's done. He's not playing next week. So, And then you signed Jamal Charles. Uh, that tells me his injury is a lot worse than what we thought it was going to be. So Jaguars 12-6. to That's all the football we have this week. On to baseball. Um, you may or may not have been watching the MLB playoffs this season. But it's been very exciting. I mean, this... Uh, excuse me. Lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Taking a look at my notes. Um, this is one of the... The best MLB postseason has been one of the most exciting MLB postseasons in a while. I mean, last year's World Series was unbelievable. I mean, it was a great World Series, but the the postseason as a whole wasn't maybe wasn't as intriguing as this year's. Um, there are storylines everywhere. I mean, you, we got finally got the Yankees and the Red Sox. We finally got that. The Astros are steamrolling teams. Um, the Dodgers look like they're finally heating up. They're playing the Brewers who are red hot right now. They've won 11 in a row. I mean, there's just storylines left and right. But the first storyline we're going to talk about is when I was dead wrong. It was one of the few times uh, in my sports broadcasting career that I was just dead wrong, where I made a uh, prediction and I couldn't have been any more wrong. And that was the Yankees beating the Red Sox in four games. I picked the Bombers to win, uh, to win the series in four and to go undefeated at home, at least for that series. I picked them to win in four and win the two games in Yankee Stadium. The opposite happened. The exact opposite of what I said was going to happen happened. The Red Sox won in four, and they won both games in Yankee Stadium. They dominated the Yankees. I was dead wrong. And I really thought, I really thought, um, I didn't think that was going to be one of my bolder predictions. I felt really comfortable taking the Yankees in that series, and they had no business. They didn't belong in the same field as the Red Sox. Uh, the Yankee starters had an ERA over 10 in the series that's the starters not the team as a whole though i can't imagine the era as a team was any uh, much better than that um the red sox just teed off on the yankees they bullied the yankees in yankee stadium that's supposed to be the ultimate home field in baseball the loudest the loudest fans they did nothing i mean the yankees they got beat up at home that doesn't ever happen and then to the arch nemesis Red Sox, it's unbelievable. They they destroyed uh, they destroyed the Yankees. It was unbelievable in New York, New York. Uh, excuse me. 
what I, the one thing that I really noticed, other than the Red Sox, were they were the better team this series. I mean, top to bottom. I mean, the whole they were just the better team. But the one uh, aspect of this series that really caught my attention was uh, the managers. Uh, Alex Cora uh, was a bench coach for the Houston Astros last year. He's now the managers for the Red Sox this year. Um, he looked relaxed. He looked in control. Every button he pressed, he pressed worked. I mean, he made substitutions in the bullpen. Uh, Brock Holt hit for a cycle, the first ever in postseason history. I would have thought someone had already done that, but he was the first one to do it. Uh, and then he was benched the next day, and they won. I mean, he made the right decision. Everything he did, everything he touched turned to gold. And where where he was in relax, where he was relaxed and in control, Aaron Boone was lost, and he was out of his element. He looked like he wanted to be anywhere else in the earth other than Yankee Stadium. He had no control of what was going on. Uh, Luis Severino showed up was it eight minutes before the first pitch and started warming up um, at that point you got to get why are you waiting for Luis Severino um, I'm sure CC Sabathia was ready to go get him warming up and then save Luis Severino for the next game they just the Yankees looked awful I mean top to bottom they looked like they didn't even they looked like they didn't belong in the playoffs that's how bad they played um, I don't know a lot of people were talking about uh, should the Yankees should the Yankees have fired Joe Girardi in the first place? And when they fired him, I was shocked at that. I couldn't believe it. He's a World Series champion. Uh, I don't, and a lot of people, of course, once you fire someone and you bring in a new guy and you don't look any better, they're going to question the new guy. A lot of people were saying or asking, if Joe Girardi had managed this series, would the outcome have been any different? Um, I don't think so. I mean, the Red Sox were really that impressive. I mean, the manager, obviously, the coaches, they don't get out there and play for the players. They just, I mean, they man- especially in baseball, that's why they're, they manage the game. And coaches, you can make adjustments. Uh, excuse me. Coaches in other sports, basketball, football, you can make adjustments. You can't really make adjustments in baseball. What do you, you can't tell the guys, hey, start hitting now. We're going to change our strategy from striking out to start hitting. Uh, the manager can only do so much, but... Uh, it does make an impact. I do think if George Girardi had managed this series, there would be a game five tonight. I do think this series would have gone the distance, but I still um, going off of what I saw, the Red Sox would have still have won this series. I mean, they were that good. I think Joe Girardi would have gotten an, gotten them another game at Yankee Stadium, but uh, he wouldn't have changed the outcome of this one. It was, I mean, it was that dominant. So with the Red Sox losing, they now play the World Series defending champions the Houston Astros the greatest baseball team ever assembled if you ask Alex Bregman Uh, (laughs) they're really good you know what the Astros they are really good I said they were the best team in baseball Um, this year I said they were the best team in baseball in the postseason and they have done nothing to prove me wrong there Uh, I don't want to I hate to be the guy that's consistently picking against a good team um Last year, I was doing it against the Eagles. Every year, they're not going to win this, or excuse me, every week, they're not going to win this game. They're not going to win this game. They're not, and they won the Super Bowl. I picked, I picked them to lose every round of the playoffs, and they won it. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl. I hate to do that against the Red Sox. They're a really good team. They were really, like I said, I'm blown away, super impressed by the Red Sox. I knew they were a good team. Let's get that out of the way. I'm not shocked that they're in the ALCS or that they're a good team. I, they had the best record in baseball. We knew they were good coming into this. I'm just shocked. I expected the Yankees to play a lot better. I thought they would win the series. I was dead wrong. I have no shame in admitting I was dead wrong in picking the Red Sox to lose. Um, And I'm picking them to lose again this round. Look, the Astros starters, they have the best starting rotation in baseball, period. In all of baseball and in the postseason, they have a monster lineup. I don't even have to go in Altuve, Correa, Springer, Bregman, and they just started heating up in Cleveland. I know Correa was really struggling during the regular season, uh, but he, their whole team is just, they're starting to heat up. And in, in, uh, they started to heat up in Cleveland, I should say. Um, excuse me. Sorry about that. Checking my notes here. Um, the Red Sox, they will get, sorry about that, guys. I had to, I was checking my notes there. Sorry. The Red Sox will get another advantage um, as far as, they do have home field advantage. They're going to have home field throughout the playoffs. Should they get into the World Series, they'll have a home field there also. Um, but the three games, remember in the baseball seven-game series, it's 2-3-2. Two, two. So the three games they're going to be playing on the road is going to be in another hitter-friendly park in Minute Maid. They teed off in Yankee Stadium on the short porch. I mean, they went off in Yankee Stadium. 
and they're playing in an, in an even more hitter-friendly park. It's an indoor park, so it's going to be nice and warm. The ball's going to be flying, and obviously they have a really short left field um, in the Crawford boxes and Minute Maid, so that's going to play right in the hand of uh, right-handed power hitters. And who are the big dogs in the Red Sox lineup? Mookie Betts uh, and J.D. Martinez. That ball's going to be flying out of the yard uh, for both teams. But I just don't see the, the Red Sox wearing down the starters of the Astros. you got Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, obviously. Um, Charlie Morton, if they want to protect Dallas Keuchel from himself a little bit, they might send out another right-hander. Maybe Lance McCullers comes out of the bullpen uh, into the starting rotation. The Astros are just, they're top to bottom. Is better, is the Red Sox were better than the Yankees? The Astros are better than the Red Sox. Um, did I say that right? The Red Sox are better than the Yankees, and the Astros are better than the Red Sox. Just correcting myself there. Um, it's I, Okay, going into the playoffs, obviously, picking the Yankees to beat the Red Sox, I didn't think the Red Sox were very close to the Astros. I still think the Astros are the best team, but the gap has closed uh, tremendously. The Red Sox are right behind the Astros. But like I said, um, the people aren't talking about the Astros because they dominated Cleveland. Um, the Red Sox had a little bit of a tougher series against the Yankees, and the Yankees are obviously better than the Indians. Uh, so people are giving the Red Sox more credit. Um, the Astros, don't overlook the Astros just because they dominated Cleveland. That's a testament to how good they are. They breezed through the Cleveland Indians. It wasn't even a series. And in that in that series, they breezed so easily because they put up so many runs in that in every single game, their bats are heating up in Houston, which is not a good sign for anyone else. Uh, I'm going to take the Astros in six. That was a long segment, wasn't it? I went on, I went on for a while there. We'll try to, we'll try to um, abbreviate this next one. Dodgers and Brewers in the uh, NLCS. Uh, this game's, this series is going to be uh, just as closely contested as the Red Sox Astros. Uh, I think more so. The Dodgers on paper, I know I said the Brewers are the best team in the NL last week. They are, um, but on paper, if you look at talent top to bottom, the Dodgers are the most talented team in the NL, but they are playing, in my opinion, the best team in the NL and the hottest team in the NL. The Brewers have won 11 straight games dating back to the regular season, and they have home field advantage. Um, So it sounds like already I'm already um, selling out for the Brewers. Hang on, I have some analysis here. Because the Dodgers do not have home field advantage. They're going to have those three games at home in a row. Uh, that's three, four, five before they go back to Milwaukee for six and seven. Because of this, the Dodgers will have the luxury of starting Walker Buehler at home. Um, in Atlanta, his first, technically his first postseason career start. I know he had the tiebreaker game 163, but because that's 163, it's technically not a postseason uh, game, even though it sort of is, um, but we're going off a of technicality here. His first postseason start uh in his career he had a meltdown in Atlanta I mean he would he just looked rattled um they were doing the tomahawk chop at him as loud as they possibly could he looked I mean he he was rattled in that game he did not look like himself he gave up a grand slam to Ronald Acuna obviously a game that they they the Dodgers ended up coming back in that game and tying it but they lost in the end uh, you can make the argument Walker Buehler doesn't give up a grand slam the Dodgers sweep that series but they will be able to start Walker Buehler at home where he has been dominant. And they will also have the luxury of starting Hunjin Ryu at Dodger Stadium where he has a sub-2 ERA. At home, you can't touch Hunjin Ryu. He shut out the Braves at home. Uh, he went seven shutout innings uh, only to be outdone the next night in Game 2 by Clayton Kershaw who went eight shutout innings in Dodger Stadium. So the Dodgers, uh, Clayton Kershaw has already been listed as a Game 1 starter. Uh, the Brewers have not listed a Game 1 starter for uh, game one or and obviously game two if the Dodgers uh, want to save Hunjin Ryu and Walker Buehler for their home for their home stretch it'd probably be Rich Hill going game two possibly even uh, Alex Wood who's been coming out of the bullpen and uh, he wasn't very good in that uh, Atlanta series either he gave up a no doubt home run to Freddie Freeman in that Walker Buehler game so they might want to send Hunjin Ryu out for game two even though he's uh, he hasn't struggled on the road but he hasn't been anywhere near as dominant as he has been in Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers are favored to win uh, this series, uh, and they should, hang on. Let's backtrack here. If the Brewers do have a lead, um, if they do get off a lead, if they're winning in the sixth inning, the game is over. Their bullpen—they have the best bullpen in baseball left, and they have the best bullpen in baseball 
period. I mean, they're that. If they have a lead in the sixth inning, the game is over. Even with the Dodgers' firepower with Machado and Dozier and and Matt Camp and all their their powerful right-handers and Cody Bellinger, uh, the Brewers' bullpen is that good, and they can stretch their bullpen. Josh, they have no official closer. Josh Hader has been the closer for them, but they can put him out there uh, in the sixth and let Corey Knebel close it or vice versa. I mean, their bullpen is so versatile. And Josh Hader, he's he's more of an old school uh, bullpen arm, and I say that because he goes multiple innings. Uh, he can they can send him out there in the sixth, and he could finish the ninth. Like he goes multiple innings. He's been next to unhittable this postseason. He's been next to unhittable all regular season. He's been that dominant. So if the Brewers have a lead in the sixth inning, the Dodgers have no shot. Um, like I said, the Dodgers are favored to win in the series. Um, as far as the lines go, they're favored to win and they should be because they're more, like I said, they're the most talented team uh, in the NL, in the NL. They have the third highest payroll in baseball and they have expectations through the roof and they should. They've been in the playoffs six straight years now and they have as many World Series rings as I do. They haven't, they have never, um, not never, they haven't gotten to the, the pinnacle yet. And uh, again, they're on, they're, they're on that mission again this year they should have those expectations and they should be favored in this uh in this series because they're they're the more experienced team they've been here before and they have those expectations for themselves if they were to fall short and lose in this series and not even get back to the world series this season is an utter failure for the dodgers and then losing you would lose manny machado possibly lose um clayton kershaw he might be on his way out the door if he really wants to go get that ring which he deserves i mean i don't know if anyone's gonna really uh, hold anything against Clayton Kershaw if he were to lead the Dodgers in quote-unquote ring chase. I don't know if anyone would call him a snake like people like calling people. People like calling athletes snakes now for, for wanting to get a championship ring. Uh, I don't think that would apply to Clayton Kershaw because he's been there. Uh, obviously, his whole career, they've never, it's, it hasn't been until last season where they've really had a complete roster that complements Clayton Kershaw. But if they were to lose this series, that would be probably be the end of this Dodgers era um, I'm going to take the Dodgers in seven games only because they're motivated. They're hungry to get back to that World Series. And uh, if they do not, um, this series would be an utter failure for anyone living in Los Angeles. So with that, those are my uh, championship series predictions. Uh, so still, I'm still sticking to my initial postseason predictions. I had the Astros and the Dodgers meeting in a World Series rematch. I still think that should happen, even though the Brewers, I mean, they're red hot. They'll probably, the Brewers will take a 2-1 lead in this series. They'll, they'll take a 2-1 lead, and uh, the Dodgers will storm back, uh, maybe take a 3-2 lead. Yeah, they'll win two in a row. The Brewers will defend home field. It's game six. You'll have game seven. I think the Dodgers will win in a one-game playoff. So that's my prediction. So going to the NBA now, where there has been no shortage of drama. I mean, it's been... Has, the season hasn't even started. We haven't even gotten one game under our belts yet, and there is so much to talk about, namely one Jimmy Butler. The latest development in the Jimmy Butler saga, the Wolves decide not to trade him. They give him exactly what he doesn't want and keep him on the team, which I did say was going to happen, and it didn't. It happens for the reasons that I didn't say, and I'll explain what that means. The Wolves had several offers from different teams. I said no one was in their right mind was going to offer anything for Jimmy Butler. I was wrong in that because multiple teams had lined up and they they were really willing to take a chance on Jimmy Butler. It looked like the Heat were the most prominent team in those discussions. It looked like they were going to let, it looked like they were about to get Jimmy Butler in in South Beach and uh I think that would be a good environment for him. He likes structure. Uh obviously you have Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade who's a veteran. Um I think that would have been a good fit for him, but it didn't work out because the Wolves, the Wolves didn't want to trade Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler wanted to trade Jimmy Butler. He didn't want, he's the one who wanted out. The Wolves didn't want to get rid of him. So I, I understand why they were asking for so much because they didn't want to get rid of him in the first place. But with that being said, they got nothing and they might have, they might have just ruined their locker room for the next, well, at least for the next season. They keep him, if they keep him all year, obviously Jimmy Butler's going to leave. It's not like he's under contract. So there's, there's that. Maybe you go all in on this season, and if it doesn't work, which it won't, then you just blow it up and maybe start over. 
Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is really young. He's got time to rebuild. Jimmy Butler doesn't have time to be part of a rebuilding team. And that's part of the whole, his whole beef. He doesn't have time to babysit and wait for Carl Anthony Towns to figure things out. He wants to win now. Uh, Jimmy Butler's not old, uh, but he's a veteran. He wants to win. He's never won before. I don't think he's never been in the conference finals, I don't think. Um, and it's about time. Jimmy Butler is about, especially in the contract year, he really wants to make a name and start winning games and get that max deal and be the star of his own his own team, which is why another reason why I think Miami would be a perfect fit for him because Dwayne Wade he may not be the best player in Miami right now. You got Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside. That was disgraceful. I just listed Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside in the same sentence as Dwayne Wade. But we're talking we're not talking about Prime Father Prime. We're talking about Dwayne Wade now. And he probably still is better than Hassan Whiteside. But the point is he's the face of the franchise. Once he's gone, it'll be Jimmy. It'll be Jimmy's team, and which is exactly what Jimmy Butler wants. He wants to be the face of a franchise. But the latest development, we still haven't even gotten into. We haven't even gotten into the juiciest part of the story. That's how, that's how many layers this Jimmy Butler story has. Um, yesterday, was he reported to practice because they didn't trade him. He's a member of the Timberwolves, He's, and he doesn't want to pull. I respect this. He doesn't want to pull a quote-unquote Kawhi Leonard and sit out because of an injury. He wants to play. If you're going to keep Jimmy, he says, if you want to keep me, you want to keep me. You're going to deal with everything that I'm going to give you. And he's just begging to get traded. He's doing everything in his power to get released or traded or just get anywhere out of uh, Minnesota. So Adrian Wojnarowski, it's the last time I'm going to say his name, Woj reported that Jimmy Butler was very vocal, which he is anyway. He's Jimmy Butler. That's why a lot of people don't like playing with him in the first place because he's really vocal. And was emotional at practice. He was very um, confrontational, um, calling out teammates, uh, calling out the GM, which we're going to get into right now. And Tom Thibodeau, who he, he, just, he was just screaming. He was just yelling at everyone. He was a banshee yesterday at practice, just yelling at, yelling at everyone. Uh, and that's exactly uh, what Jimmy Butler is. Again, you knew what you were getting when you decided not to trade for trade away Jimmy Butler, this is what he is. He pushes his teammates. He works really hard. He's really aggressive. He's very passionate. And this is why he doesn't work with lukewarm Carl Anthony Towns because Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins just do not care. They're not winners. They're not hard workers, or that's just not the perception of them in the NBA. I understand to be in the NBA, you have to work hard, period. Everyone in the NBA works hard, but there are, once you get in there, there are different standards. They're not working as hard as LeBron James. They're not working as hard as, um, I don't know, any other player. They're just not putting in as much work as everyone else is in the NBA. And that's Jimmy Butler's problem because he's trying to win and they're not doing their part. They're not working as hard as he feels they should be. And they feel, get off my back, old man. We'll figure it out. And it's just not working. It's, and that's exactly why it's not working. It's the epitome of why there's so much controversy in Minnesota Jimmy Butler's pushing his teammates. They don't want to be pushed, and he's getting mad because they don't want to be put. It's just a horrible, horrible situation. Um, if it were to work, which it's not going to, um, Minnesota's going to look like geniuses. You keep this guy. You he, Maybe Carl Anthony Towns just decides he's sick of hearing Jimmy Butler in his ear. So if he does what he's asking, maybe he'll leave him alone. So Carl Anthony Towns starts working harder. So you get a motivated Carl Anthony Towns. You get a happy Jimmy Butler, which I, I don't think the world has ever seen. Jimmy Butler is one of the angriest people in the NBA outside of Rajon Rondo. Um, then the Timberwolves are right back in it. People forget they were the number three seed last year behind uh, Golden State and Houston. They were right there. And then when Jimmy Butler went down with the injury, they dropped all the way down in the eighth seed. So there is your evidence, as Jimmy pointed out, they can't win without him. And they know that. That's why they didn't trade him in the first place. Um, but I don't think, because of the, the dynamic in the locker room, I don't think they can win with him. Uh, so that moves us. That's the, latest, that's the latest in the Jimmy Butler. So that's not the end of it. This, will not, this isn't going to end for a while. Even if he does end up getting traded in February at the deadline, it's not going to end for a long time, especially with the Wolves keeping him. It's... This is just the beginning. We haven't even uh, scratched the surface of what Jimmy Butler can do or can say. And I really liked, I read yesterday, I'm sure you did too, He in practice he was just dominating everyone and attacking everybody. 
and he he went against the starters with the third string group of guys. He went with the the scrubs, not the scrubs. I don't mean to be disrespectful. They're in the NBA. He went with the role players, the reserves, and he beat the starting lineup. That's how good Jimmy Butler is, and that's how motivated Jimmy Butler is right now. So who knows? And Minnesota um, not appealing to Jimmy Butler um, by keeping Jimmy and keeping Carl Anthony Towns. You side with Carl Anthony Towns because Jimmy Butler wants nothing to do with Cat. By keeping both of them, you're siding with Cat. If the Wolves were fully invested in Jimmy Butler, they would trade Carl Anthony Towns, and there would be plenty of teams line, lining up to give anything they possibly could to get Carl Anthony Towns. If they were really on Jimmy Butler's side, they'd get rid. They'd get rid of the problem. They could. Fi- they could easily fix the problem, and they could find plenty of role, uh, not role players, but they can find um, plenty of hardworking players to work around Jimmy Butler um, and support him. And uh, not support him like he like he needs a emotional corner. But you know what I mean. Like they could get rid of Carl Anthony Towns. Cause I'm not a big Carl Anthony Towns fan. I think he's a souped up Kevin Love. Um, you can get so much more. I think you can get more out of Carl Anthony Towns in a trade than you could for Jimmy Butler. That's just my opinion. Uh, we got to hurry. We're running out of time. The Lakers. Uh, I know we're so. Uh, we're not tired of hearing about them. Who is tired? Of course, I said that sarcastically, but we're really not tired of hearing about the Lakers. They're they're fan, they're so exciting to watch. Haven't even played one game yet, and that's that's where we begin this part of the show today. The Lakers last night played the Warriors and won. For what that's worth, they beat the Warriors in preseason uh, last night. It was it was unbelievable. LeBron, here we go. <laughs> LeBron has already accomplished his mission. Let that sink in. He didn't come here to win a title in year one. Stop. I didn't say he didn't come here to win a title. I said he didn't come here to win a title year one. If you expect him to win the whole thing this year right now, you're out of your mind. Just just turn off the show now. You don't, even, you don't need to be listening because that's just ridiculous. There's no way anyone expects him to win year one. No one should be expecting him to win year two uh, in case, unless they, they were to land one of the big fish out there. Uh, Jimmy Butler being one of them, even though he said he doesn't want to play with LeBron. Depending on who they land next year, they shouldn't be expected to win again next year. LeBron came to the Lakers, and a reasonable a reasonable expectation for him is to make the playoffs. Not even, and I think they can make the second round if they weren't if they were to get bounced in the first round. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because the Lakers they've been terrible for the past almost ten years now. Uh, no, not ten years. Um, maybe. Six or seven years, they've been awful. They've been really bad. So I think for them to make the playoffs would be an accomplishment uh, in itself. But anyway, that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that LeBron has already accomplished his mission, which is to make the Lakers relevant. The Lakers have been nothing. They've been a bottom feeder. No one talks about the Lakers. As glamorous as their franchise has been, all the Hall of Famers, all the titles that are looking above you as you're uh, in a practice facility. They've been irrelevant. They've been nobody. And last night in preseason, it was on national television, a preseason game. And on Twitter, LeBron and the Lakers were number one and two trending on Twitter worldwide. People, are, people care about the Lakers again. That, he's done his job. He hasn't played a single game, and he's already done what he set out to do. Make the Lakers relevant. The worst thing that any team can suffer, especially in Los Angeles, is irrelevancy. Because in LA, it's not like New York where they're going to boo you and still go to their games. People have better things to do. They can go to the beach. They can go watch a movie, a red carpet. There's, if, you, if you're irrelevant as a sports team in LA, you, you're nothing. No one talks about you. No one cares. And that's what the Lakers have been, even while Kobe was playing. Kobe's last three or four years in LA were... No one remembers them. People only remember the 60-point game, and that's it. That's it. The Lakers were irrelevant. They've been irrelevant. They've been nothing. LeBron comes to the Lakers, and he's already saved the franchise. He has. It's not an overreaction to say he's saved the franchise. You can give credit to Magic Johnson. Of course, Magic Johnson bringing in LeBron James, greatest Laker of all time. Magic Johnson, not LeBron James. Magic Johnson's the greatest Laker of all time, saving the franchise. But LeBron put them over the top already. He hasn't won a game, and he's already accomplished his mission. He's made the Lakers the Lakers again. That's it. 
If he wins a title, that's just extra. That's just an added benefit. But he's made the Lakers the Lakers again. He's already done everything he's, he needs to do. He's already accomplished his mission, and he hasn't played one game yet. Quote of the week time. Quote of the week. You effing need me. It's not, okay, this is a little bit of a paraphrasing quote of the week. You effing need me. You can't win without me. Jimmy Butler. Duh. We said it earlier. Of course they didn't trade you. Obviously they can't win without you. When you went down, they dropped down to the eighth seed. So Jimmy Butler has evidence for that. But you don't need to announce and everyone knows it. That's why the GM of the Timberwolves, I mean, I'm sure he has no beef with Jimmy Butler saying you can't win without me screaming in his face. Because it's the truth. That's why they didn't trade you. They don't want to get rid of you, Jimmy Butler. But by keeping you, they've already doomed themselves to not winning also. So they're kind of, they're in a, they're damned if you do, damned if you don't situation because they're not going to win with Jimmy Butler. Um, excuse, They're not going to win without Jimmy Butler. That's for sure. Carl Anthony Towns is not one to carry a franchise. And they're not going to win with him because of um, the toxic environment in the locker room, the constant fighting and, and bickering. It's just not going to, it's not going to happen. The Timberwolves are in, they're in no man's land right now. Um, like I said earlier, by keeping Carl Anthony Towns, you side with Carl Anthony Towns. If you sided with Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns would be out the door. So by bringing in uh, Jimmy Butler, you're not going to win without him. But by bringing him win, by bringing him in, you're not going to win that way either. That's uh, that's the quote of the week. A little bit shorter analysis this week because we had a lot of stuff to talk about. We had a lot of stuff. We had some college, had some NFL, everything. And then I really, um, of course, a lot of basketball. Basketball is always the easiest to talk about because there's so much drama. And isn't that what makes the NBA great is the drama, the excitement. Like it's so much stuff that has nothing to do with basketball that makes the NBA the NBA. It's, it's just so much fun. Uh, season starts on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. Um, starts next week. So that's why we're doing NBA this week because we're not going to be able to do a pre-prediction, uh, I guess, next week because the season will have already started. Um, yeah, so that's that's going to bring us to the end of this week. Uh, Crowd Noise Podcast. You can listen on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify. Uh, the Anchor app. You can listen on Google Podcasts. And wherever uh, wherever your podcasts are listened to, that's where you can listen to it. I don't care. Just as long as you listen. That's all I, that's all I ask for. Uh, it's the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'll see you next Thursday.